Well, duh. You ought to be in church. Why is God going to bless you if you're laying on the side of the track in the middle of the race? Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. That's key. When you're running a race and you got a coach that's standing on the sidelines, every time you come around, you look to see if he wants to give you a message. Those of you who know about NASCAR racing, you know, they got guys standing on the side of the track holding up what your average speed is. You know? And sometimes they'll hold up somebody else's average speed and show you that you're not keeping up. Or you're keeping up, but they're catching up. And so we look to Jesus because He's the author and the finisher of our faith. I mean, he's the, he's the one who allowed us to have faith. If Jesus Christ hadn't been willing to die on the cross for us, there wouldn't be any reason for faith. We could worry all day, every day, because we'd be dying and going to hell. I mean, why trust God if you can't trust God? That's why my heart goes out to young people who are going through uh, the colleges and universities of our day because they're being taught that you can't trust God. You can't trust His Word. If you can't trust His Word, you can't trust Him. That is so sad. Because just being able to walk by faith gives such peace and such joy. Gives you reason to sing. Sometimes it even gives you reason to sing in public. Because you've got the joy of the Lord in your heart. I mean, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And every once in a while it bubbles up and shows up on my face. Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. The author of our faith. And the finisher of our faith. Whatever God starts... He's going to finish. Whatever God starts, He's going to finish. Philippians chapter 1, about verse 8, I think. He which began a good work in you will complete it. He will complete it. And I didn't know what a good work it was when He started when he began to convict me of sin and help me to realize, man, not only am I not pleased with you, your mom and dad's not too pleased either. Or they wouldn't be spanking you all the time. <laughs> you know? And that smart mouth, that back talk, that's got to stop. That's sin. And those words you've been trying out on your little brother, you know? I hate you. Whoa, that got my mouth washed out in a hurry. Ivory soap. Okay. 99.9% pure. Right? And 100% bad tasting. <laughs> but you... Oh, man. And then just about the time I'd ready to gag and... 
because <laughs> I couldn't stand this soap taste in my mouth, she'd, she'd say, now open a little wider. Let's make sure there's no other words in there like that. Whoa. If I'd known what I, then what I know now, I would have just kept my mouth shut. Okay? Ron didn't have to know what I thought about him sitting around watching me clean the garage when we were both supposed to be cleaning the garage, you know. I was looking unto Jesus, the author, finisher of our faith. He started it. He's going to finish it. Let me tell you something. Why? Why would Jesus even bother to give you faith for salvation? Does that make any sense to anybody? Why would God send His only begotten Son to this earth to live among dirty, rotten sinners... And I know I hear people say, well, his life is an example to us. Not to me. I already know I can not match up to that. <laughs> you know, I like Lance Armstrong being an example to us how to ride a bike. I, duh. I wouldn't even get on a bike. You say, why, brother? Because you think you can't ride? I know I can ride. You never forget how to ride a bike. It's just like riding a bike. But I also know if I fall, I'm done. Okay? I sit in my, in my office uh, Friday, Friday afternoon and uh, sitting in a little green chair. And it only has four wheels. They're equidistant from each other, and, uh, which is, works fine unless you happen to lean the direction where the wheels are. If you go that direction, these two wheels are not enough to sustain you. Okay. And I'm sitting there, and it's on carpet anyhow, so the wheels don't want to roll. And so I pushed back and turned, and that chair went, boom, threw me out on the floor. Now, I know enough about horseback riding to know that you get up and get back on the horse. And so I got up and got back in the chair, sat there until I realized how bad my knee was hurting and how bad my wrist was hurting. And then I looked around, because if anybody had been there, I would have started crying. Okay? If there's nobody there, there's no reason to cry. You're not getting any sympathy anyhow. <clears throat> but, oh, man, hurt. So yesterday I wore a brace all day and uh, got up this morning, looked at it, and thought, now nah, you live. Because <laughs> I know I couldn't put it in battery and get it wet. <laughs> but, uh, uh, oh, my goodness. So if, if I have trouble in an office chair 18 inches from the ground, you know I'm not getting on a bike. Those seats are way higher. Okay. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, why would God allow His Son to die for us? I, the only thing I can think of, and the only thing the Bible reveals, is that God is love. God is love. We were created for His pleasure. And He loves us. I don't know why. I can't figure it out. I'm just glad that He does. And I love Him back to the best of my ability. I tell Him I love Him. A couple or three times every day. 
Because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. And Jesus endured the cross and despised the shame. Now, what's the shame of the cross? Well, for one thing, they hang him up there naked. You never see a picture of Jesus hanging up there except he's got a a little diaper or sheet or something wrapped around his middle. No, the Romans didn't do that. They want a man, they not only want him to suffer intensely, they want him humiliated. So they stripped him naked and hung him up there. And all the pictures show him with this little diaper on. Okay? That's not realistic. Nowhere does the Bible say that. No. He hung there in front of the world, naked, on the side of the busiest road coming out of Jerusalem. The Damascus Road. Thousands of people going up and down that road. Because it was Passover. And three times a year, all the men in Israel were were required to come to Jerusalem to the temple. And one of those times was Passover. They had to be there. So they all brought their tithe. 10% 10% of whatever they had. They brought it to Jerusalem at Passover. And as they're coming by, Jesus hanging there naked between two thieves. But he endured the cross. Now, you say, what's that mean, he endured the cross? I, I mean, it's pretty obvious what it means. He stayed on there, he stayed on the cross. Because at any point, he could have said, Father, send the angels. I'm done. And the angels would have come and gotten him off the cross. He told the disciples, I can pray to my Father and he'll send 12 legions of angels. Five to 6,000 soldiers in a legion. Okay? So, five times 12, six times 12. Between 60,000 and 72,000 angels. In the Old Testament, there, the enemies of the, of the Jews had come and surrounded the city of Jerusalem and they besieged the city. And one night, an angel went through their camp. One angel, one night, slaughtered 180,000 of them. They all died one night. You think 60,000 angels couldn't depopulate the earth pretty quick? Yeah. He endured the cross. He didn't call for the angels. And I guarantee you, they all had their swords out and they were ready to come. Because they still don't understand salvation. They don't understand how God could love us. Our salvation is something the scriptures say the angels desire to look into. They want to know. Why? Because angels can't get saved. Jesus didn't die for angels. When an angel rebels against God, he's finished. He's going to hell. When a human sins against God, God offers him forgiveness and salvation. And Jesus endured the cross and despised the shame. For what? Well, this verse tells us. Who, for the joy that was set before him. Okay. 
and this causes a little thought process to take off, doesn't it? What kind of joy was Jesus looking for in enduring the cross and despising the shame? What do you think? What's the joy? Where's the joy? Huh? Say that one. Seeing sinners saved. And what's the joy in that? Well, if you love something, you don't want to be separated from it forever. Okay? That's why I don't want my wife to die and go to hell. Fortunately, she's not. <laughs> okay? But when young couples come to me and say, Brother Casey, will you marry us? I say, well, if I can. There's two reasons why I can't. If either one of you are already married to somebody else, I can't marry you to this person until that first marriage is dissolved. Secondly, if one of you is saved and the other is lost, I can't marry you. Because the Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I can't put you in the yoke of marriage together if I believe the Word of God. So I can't marry you. Okay? And so if one's saved, the other's lost, then I try to win the one that's lost to Christ. I share the gospel with them. But if they don't want to get saved, they can go on their way. Find somebody else to... I mean, go to the judge if he wants to marry. He doesn't seem to be bound by Scripture anyhow. <clears throat> At least not some of the cases I've been reading about. And, uh, but uh, I don't want my wife to go to hell. I love her. I realize in heaven we're not going to be married to each other. We're going to both be part of the bride of Christ. Man, I'm going to be delighted she's there because I've loved her so much here. I'm going to love her there. And I'm going to love each of you all that gets to go to heaven. I mentioned in a sermon several months ago that, uh, that I believe Jesus might come back this year. You know? Is that a bad thing? No, I don't think. But the Scripture says that He can come back any time. So He could come back before this service is over. And if He comes back, what happens? We're out of here. We're going to meet him in the clouds and go with him to heaven to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going first to the trophy table. And he's going to give us crowns for loving him, for sharing the gospel with other people, for uh, watching for his coming, you know, for loving his appearing, he said. That'd be pretty cool. Get you a nice little crown. Not a tiara, a crown. A gold crown. Sit on your head. Because if you can't take anything to heaven with you, what are you going to have to give him as a gift to say, thank you for saving me? And so he gives you a crown. Maybe a bunch of crowns. And you can take those crowns and you can lay them at his feet and say, Jesus, I want to say thank you. I want you to have these. I want you to wear these. Because you love me so much you died for me. And you protected me. And you watched out for me. And I love you. Thank you 
thank you, thank you. And then we're going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You say, what are they going to have? Who cares? It's going to be delicious. I expect some of it might be homemade ice cream. And ice cold watermelon. And whatever your favorite food is. Okay? I don't think we will have escargot. Might be there. But escargot is a French word that means snails. And I just don't see me enjoying eating snails. Jesus might not come back this year. The Bible doesn't say when he's coming. It said no man knows the day nor the hour. And we have this joke where we tell people, well, we know the hour. It's between 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. Because somewhere in the world it's always between 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. It's laid out in 24 hours. and So somewhere it's three, between 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning right now. So we, we joke about that. But he said he's coming. So we watch for him. If he didn't come this year, maybe he'll come next year. If it doesn't come next year, maybe he'll come the following year. In fact, I was a little disappointed he didn't come yesterday. So maybe he'll come tonight. If he didn't come tonight, maybe he'll come tomorrow. I just know that when he comes, I'm going to get to be with him. I'm going to get to see my mom and dad again. I'm going to get to see my grandma. I'm going to get to see Jesus. I'm going to get to see King David I'm going to ask him to teach me how to use a sling. Because he taught 400 men how to sling a sling left-handed and hit a hair with it. A single hair. I don't know about about you, but that is pretty impressive. That's some excellent target shooting with a rock and a sling. You're going to get to meet all kinds of new people that have gotten to go to heaven with us because Jesus came back. If he doesn't come back, I'm going to keep telling people about Jesus till I die. If people want to get baptized, I'm going to keep baptizing people till I die. As long as the Lord gives me money, I'm going to keep giving to missions. Till I die. Because I want Jesus to experience joy from my life. He endured the cross, despising the shame, because of the joy that he gets from watching us follow him. Consider that for a minute. When we do what Jesus wants us to do, he gets excited. went the other day to pick up one of my grandsons at, I guess, daycare, after school care. Anyhow, he was there during the summer, and so I stopped to pick him up. And uh, when I got there, I knocked on the door, and the lady came to let me in. She said, who are you looking for? And I said, I'm looking for, and I gave her the name. And uh, she said, oh, 
he is such a sweet boy. I just, we just love having him here. And I said, <clears throat> that's my grandson. Okay? I had great joy in the fact that he was well-behaved and they liked having him. Okay? So when I get to heaven, I want Jesus to receive great joy because Randy Casey followed him and did what he asked me to do. And he wasn't ugly to his brothers anymore. And he, he didn't fuss and fight. He didn't argue with his wife. And God get, gets great joy from that. And after Jesus endured the cross and despised the shame so that he could have a ringside seat so he could watch everything we do and get great joy from it, he went and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now let me tell you a little bit about thrones. They're bigger than this. Okay? Not only are they bigger than this, they're nicer than this. Some of them are made out of ivory. Some of them are made out of wood covered with gold. But they're nice. Okay? Very ornate, well carved. And the king sits on the throne. I'm pretending to be the king. And the king sits there in his royal robe wearing his crown. And somebody gets to be the king's advisor and tell the king about people who come before the king. And the person who gets to be the king's advisor sits at his right hand on this side. And when he wants to tell the king somebody about somebody, he just leans over and whispers in his ear. Now, who's the king in heaven? God. Right? So Jesus sits at his right hand. And the devil comes before the throne of God. And he comes up and he says, God, did you see Randy Casey, what he did? That's sin. God, you ought to smack him upside the head, knock him down, and send him to hell. And Jesus, sitting right here at the right hand of the throne of God, leans over and whispers, He's one of mine. I love him, and I died for him, and he accepted me as his Savior. So he belongs to us. He's my brother. And maybe he says about one of the ladies. Satan comes and says, Did you see what, what Natalie did? Did you see her? sits at the right hand of the throne of God making intercession for us. And when Satan accuses us, because he's the accuser of the brethren, when he accuses us, Jesus says, 
Yeah, that was sin. But I paid for that already. They don't have to go to hell. I already took care of that. God the Father says, uh, sorry, Satan, that penalty's already been paid. You have to pick on somebody else. The joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. That's the kind of friend I want. One who has God's ear all the time. And when Satan accuses me, God says, Nope, sorry. My son paid for that. Go pick on somebody else. So, seeing we are compassed about with this great cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience the race that's set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And he's whispering in God's ear about how much he loves you. And God looks at him and says, yeah, I know. I love him too. Yeah, I love her as much as you do. I love him as much as you do. Because that's my child. And I know it's not dignified. And it's probably not very spiritual. But it makes me want to say, That's my Lord. That's my Jesus. That's my God. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word that shows us so clearly why you did what you did for us. And help us to recognize that we really ought to live for you every moment of every day because you loved us enough for Jesus to die for us. Dismiss us from this service. Bless the watermelon cookies and stuff that we have downstairs. The refreshments. The Lord brings back safely on Wednesday. Give us a great week this week. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.